Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. Okay, this week we get to hear from one of my absolute dream guests. It is bassist Paul Webb. Now Paul today records under the name Rustin Man. I'm gonna tell you more about that in a minute. But back in the 80s, he was the bassist for what I consider to be probably the greatest band of the 80s, Talk Talk. If you are unfamiliar with Talk Talk, First of all, this is one of their biggest hits, their first one, also called Talk Talk. I want you to pay close attention to this song and every song we play in here, especially the one we're going to play at the very end, because my opinion is that no band in history has gone over the as dramatic a transition from one thing at the beginning to something completely different at the end as Talk Talk has. Not only that, what they did it Every step along the way was a masterpiece, a masterpiece. So I hope if you're not that familiar with Talk Talk, you'll pay attention to the transition and the progress in sound and uh, experimentation as this conversation goes along. Now, having said all that, Paul today, as I mentioned, just put out his second album under the name Rustin Man. This album is called Drift Code. It just came out a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. The first uh, Rustin Man album came out in the early 2000s. It was called Out of Season, and he did it with Portishead singer Beth Gibbons. It created kind of a stir. The music is very esoteric, it's very ethereal, it's sort of very in keeping with those albums that Talk Talk were making at the end of their run. It's been out for a couple of weeks, it's getting rave reviews, and so I thought this would be a perfect time to have him come on, talk about the Rustin Man project, what goes into it, why he waits so long in between records, what he does in the meantime, and then try to understand a little bit about what happened in Talk Talk that brought on such a dramatic transformation. It's a tricky nut to crack, I will tell you that right now. I'm not sure that we get there, but I wanted to, I did not want to miss the opportunity to talk to a member of what I consider to be one of the greatest groups in history. I hope that if you are unfamiliar with Talk Talk, or Rustin Man for that matter, you hear some interesting stuff that you like and that you will check out for yourself, okay? He called me from his home in England. I forgot to ask where. Out in the country somewhere. For starters, you know, um, I find this Rustin Man project so fascinating because when the first album came out, I was working at Tower Records. Do you remember Tower Records? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I was working in their corporate offices in California. And uh, so there would be CDs all over the place because, you know, labels were always coming in, giving us CDs. And the Out of Season album was sort of, everybody had a copy. And at the time, you know, people were still really fascinated with Portishead and what what's what are they doing and when's their next album coming? And w just people were hungry for more Portishead content. So at the time, it was very interesting to me to see, oh, this is what Beth Gibbons has sort of, chosen to do as her next project but i didn't realize you were involved until later right. and and uh you know this the music is so sparse and cerebral um but soulful as well and beautiful and but uh, or more organic i guess than what portishead was doing at the time how did you get involved is this your i mean the rustin man is you correct what yes how did that's you... right okay so... i've met i've met beth uh, a few years before she she got involved in Porter's Head and she come and auditioned for an Arrange. Uh, I was in this band with Arrange with Lee Harris, the drummer of Talk Talk. And yeah. uh, 
and uh, she came, and it didn't work out because we were kind of moving away from kind of songs at the time, and but we always stayed in touch. So, uh, and we, you know, we had an affinity with each other. We always liked kind of classic songs and and the way things are structured, and we had a, a kind of kindred kind of idea of how music should be. And uh, yeah, and she ph- phoned me up after and said, "Would you like to come to, come down and do do write some songs together?" So that's how we got involved, really. So it was a Beth Gibbons album more than it was a Rustin Man album. Well, we right now we were in the in the room together. We were writing okay. together, do okay. it, doing it. Yeah, obviously she was the singer. The record was gonna gonna be for her her voice. Okay. But you know, in terms of how we came together with it, it was just like we were just full on, kind of working out how to do it. Got it. Okay. What does Rustin Man mean? What where did that name come from? Well, I suppose, you know, it's got that kind of rusting thing, kind of thing of it, like yeah. that disintegration. It feels quite nice in my older, you know, older life. I can fall <laughs> apart and grow into the, into the uh, name. So uh, yeah. it feels quite fitting. Okay. And so that album, I mean, I, I assume that was a pleasurable enough experience making that album. And if it was, where did Beth go and why did it take 17 years for a new album? Well, that album took a fair good time. I mean, it just, t- it just gets kind of harder to make new music. You know, we didn't quite know, you know, we had the desire to play with each other, but I, we didn't know what that would actually be to make it work, you know. So it yeah. meant it was just playing different kind of music to each other. And, and you know, I mean, making an album is, is a kind of process. It's a kind of process of, of seeing what, you know, knowing what you want to do, really. So, um, you know, and then again with this new album... Even though it was kind of, you know, I I'd kind of worked out all the arrangements and got into production with the out-season album, it was, again, starting afresh and bringing my voice to the forefront, which, mm. you know, so there's a lot of things I'd never done before, and I just had to kind of see how that all worked, pushing it all together. So, again, it took me a long, long, long time, longer than I thought it would, but uh, that's the way it goes. Okay, okay. And we should say, so the new album is called Drift Code. I, I haven't heard the whole album, but I've heard the two singles that have come uh-huh. out. Vanishing Heart and Judgment Train. Is that a mockingbird inside your lying heart of stone in the summertime? I know that this is all untold Whenever you need me I can pay your toll In the summertime Unrest is haunting when 17 years go by and it's not like you know talk talk weren't the most 
prolific band in the world. Well, they were there for a while, then they dis- you know, then it all ended. What do you do, Paul Webb? What do you do when uh, in the downtime? Do you, are you, uh, you know, do you invest in companies? Do you have a wife that works? Do you do other <laughs> projects? What do you do? I, I, well, it, it, I mean, it's amazing how much time music takes. To, to, yeah. to, I mean, it, it's. Yeah, I just do music. I mean, on this last album, I produced a few other people along the way. And on this record, I've played a lot of, apart from the drums, I've played a lot of the instruments myself. So that takes me time as well. I'm not, I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know, once, I, I, once I'm doing the bass, I have to kind of stay on the bass and do all the tunes in the bass. And then I have to do all the tunes and learn the guitar and play guitar. So it's just a long, long pro- process for me. Uh-huh. And plus, I'm making huge libraries of sounds as well, which I'm yeah. kind of saving and kind of pushing them all together and trying different things as I go. So yeah, music is a is a, a long process for me. Interesting. Do you? I imagine you have a lot of friends, a lot of friends who could come in and play those guitar parts for you. Were you, but you wanted to do this all yourself. It's it's much more hardcore for me to do it. I just want to see what that was if I did it did it for myself. It's far more committed in what it's meant to be. I mean, I I love being in a band. I love the camaraderie of it all. But it, it's more kind of a, a, an extreme creation if you just kind of put all the things in yourself to see what what that is. Huh. Okay. Now, do you um, the sound of this album? It, you. It seems like you have just been on like this this esoteric musical journey for so long. I mean, you know, from the beginning of Talk Talk with the synth pop, you know, synthy poppy sounds to where you are now, it's just, it's like you're just continuing to be on an adventure. Do you hear these songs? In, like, you know, Judgment Train is such a, it's got soul, it's got organic uh, musicianship, it's got a little bit of everything. not a you know it's not something you would naturally hear necessarily on the radio how do you do, are you hearing these songs in your head are you chasing something where do they come from well the thing is just i live in a barn in a field in the middle of nowhere and that kind of encourages you know and i'm, I'm i live out outside outside i live, moved out of london 
you know, and I, and I don't listen to lots of modern music either. Mm. So you, you start internalising your music, and uh, so you almost start living in a parallel universe. I mean, just, just the way I live my life. So it's, it's, that kind of feeds the music. And, and I think that kind of helps, and also the ta- time as well. I mean, taking, when it was back in the old days of analogue tape, um, I mean, you could never have a song that you'd be written 17 years ago, and recorded it for 17 years, <clears throat> the tape would have disintegrated by now. So, but but time is a good thing because you can go back to it and kind of go, and you start seeing things in the song, kind of, and all these processes hopefully make it an individual piece of music. Is there a uh, maybe an instrument or a sound that you had to learn to make in order for this album to be what you wanted it to be that you particularly enjoyed? Did you find um, some new talent or something somewhere? Well, I always like picking up new instruments. I mean, it's, it's, it's. It, I mean, it's like being on a desert island and something turns up, and <laughs> and you just and, and you don't. No one's there to teach you to play it, so you got to find your own way. Mm-hmm. I bought a xylophone on this record, and that was, you know, it was just really <laughs> good just to explore it, you know, and yeah. see what I did with it, um, you know. And, and I'm not kind of, you know, obviously I've learned things along the way with with studio techniques, but you kind of make your own techniques up as well. I mean, I got very much into this thing of like recording in different places in my because I, I recorded at home and, and some of the rooms are quite big and others are small and, and I got into using the room and each time I made it a layer I kind of made the room smaller and, and it kind of sat on each track sat on each other so so yeah there's all there's always a new instrument to learn and, and a way to approach things so um, it's an endless huh. endless thing wow that's so fascinating. Are you? Is there? I mean, is there an opportunity for you to play out? Are you going to go on tour with this record? Or I would like to. Even... I would like to. I don't know if I, we're going to see how it goes when the album comes out. But I have got some musician friends who I've got lined up for this, and that would be a nice thing to do because then, then I feel because once this album's out, there, I feel like I can let this go. You know, yeah. and give this to other players to see how it sounds. Yeah, it, the sa- the the music is so intricate. Are you going to be able to recreate it live? Do you think? Well, I wouldn't go, intentionally go to. I mean, the album's the album. You know, the whole thing of readdressing. Us, I mean, without a season, when I did it with Beth, there was an orchestral orchestra on there. There was like twenty, thirty players. Obviously, uh-huh. we couldn't take all that on tour, but you kind of readdress the song and and come to the essence of it again. Huh. Wow. Well. Okay. Uh, and. It, I don't even know. I mean, if if you put, do you get radio play? If you put Rustin Man on the marquee of a club in London, would people come? Do they know that that's you? <laughs> well, I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what kind of clubs would play these kind of records. But, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's one of the things you actually, you know, if you if you do music that's supposed to stand on its own, then you're not going to be in a place where it stands next to music. Radio Six have been quite supportive. They, they, they've they've played the uh, Vanishing Heart a couple of times. I've just started playing Judgment Train. So again, it's not a natural n- natural radio station for it. But there is no other ra- no ra- as you say, there's no radio station that is. So yeah. you know, it, it, I, I do it for for the record for the for the to make a CD or a record that you put on and you sit back and listen to, and that's and take you somewhere you've never been before. That's what the essence of the music is. Okay. Okay. I guess the reason the reason for my line of questioning is that to me, Talk Talk are maybe one of the most well, they're one of my favorite bands, but they're also one of the most fascinating bands that I can think of. I don't know of another popular artist in history that went on 
whose career went on the trajectory that Talk Talks did. And I was trying to think the other day, maybe Scott Walker went from mm-hmm. as you know went from one place to such a far other place, but he did it over a longer stretch of time and more albums in sort of a slower pace. You guys, over the course of five albums completely transformed yourself and you're continuously doing that today are you just so hungry and adventurous musically that you can't sit still or what motivates this well i, I think it well i mean i think when it, when spirit of eden came out that that was the, the corner that was turned there That was the record that was so out of context of what music was going on around that time, and it just, and that that is just such a fulfilling thing to have have music stands there that is is not being, you know, manipulated or kind of influenced by by obvious things, you know, and uh, I I think you know music's like a utility that is kind of is there to to, to take you to another world, you know, and and I think from that that kind of record onwards I've always kind of treated every everything that I've done since then with that kind of attitude yeah the spirit of Eden album I mean that's uh, to me there's a you know like I said there's a there's a journey going on on all of the albums but spirit of Eden is when it just completely transforms into something different is it true everything I've ever read about that album was that it seems to um you know the the songs were not formless or were were formless going into the recording of the album it was kind of a a collection a collage of sounds and that eventually mark and tim free screen put, put uh, assembled them together into things that you know felt like a song versus going into it recording a song in the beginning is that about right I, I, yeah, I guess so. I mean, you know, for me, I, I was the bass player. That's 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 it. So, I, you know, I kind of, I, I spent my time in the studio just putting my bass lines, working bass lines out, coming out, you know. So, you know, it, we can all hear what it is. Yeah, yeah, it is what it is. Huh. Were you not as involved in the creative process then, maybe, as Tim and Mark? Oh, God, I wasn't involved in that side at all. I mean, I was a bass player. That was very much <laughs> their, their kind of, you know, especially Mark's idea and creative force that kind of pushed it everything along. Really? Yeah, but you're a you're a member of Talk Talk, but you you felt more like uh, not a hired hand. That's probably not the right word. But they were the drivers, and you were sort of along for the ride. I well, I was you know I, I was I was a bass player. That's what I was a bass player in a band. You know, it's you know I I I'd started getting interested in kind of writing and arranging, but. You know, when I met Mark, he was a he was older than me. He was kind of six years older, so he was always a kind of 
you know, he was always like following where he wanted to go. So, mm. you know, which okay. was which was great. You know, there was no there was no reason. It's like everything just got better and better each time. So there's no yeah. need to even question it. Huh. Okay. You know, when you listen back to the reaction, the, so the band that Mark was in, for anyone who doesn't know, yeah. before Talk Talk was called The Reaction, and you, they recorded a version of Talk Talk that was very punky and yeah. um, aggressive. Well, yeah, I told you before when I was up, society was bringing me down. And politicians, they get talking in rounds. Twist the rim and make you think they straight down the line. I'm going to use Talk Talk. But then uh, they took that, you guys took that song and recreated it, re-recorded it for Talk Talk. When you, going back again to this transformation or kind of idea, were you guys, when you started or came together as Talk Talk, were you still figuring yourselves out? Were you more a punk band like that? Or had you decided to go synthy at that point? Well, it was just the whole thing of having almost like kind of jazz quintet. We had no guitar. It was we had the keyboards, and uh, you know, it was just the whole. I mean, it was a very enjoyable process when we all got together because Mark had written a couple of songs, and we, 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 me and Lee just went down just to record those songs. But he just liked the atmosphere of what we were we were all doing, and there was just a, a real kind of link with us all. So we just kind of carried on and kind of wrote an album and and. And that's how it all kind of happened. It all happened quite fast after that because we started doing gigs and, and we got signed up very quickly. And uh, yeah, and just it went on from there. Okay. So when you, uh, so like what goes into, do you remember the creation of like, you know, a song like Today?
remember being in the room when that was being worked on and recorded and stuff? Yes, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> because we, were, yeah, all those, all those first albums, we were all in the room doing it, yeah. And uh, I mean, obviously that kind of threat this baseline came through. Lee had the drum, but it all came together in kind of one go. And okay. Mark was singing over the top all the time, and kind of we were just changing, you know, cutting sections down, building sections up. Yeah. When you were coming out with, uh, and you were, you know, playing on keyboards like so many other new wave bands were at the time, who were you kind of palling around with? Who were you also touring with or being influenced by at the time? I don't know. I, I mean, again, it's just kind of once we got into the band thing, it's kind of influences weren't, don't really think about it. I mean, I, it's funny that area because I just think people were using synthesizers better than we were in a funny sort of way because we were using <laughs> really? more more in a, well we were using more in a orchestral way you know we weren't doing yeah. it like like soft cell we're using it which was using it or you know taking a more kind of craft work way at it and being kind of you know even the strings with each string machine was which almost sounding a bit kind of block cordy like you play a, an organ so we weren't really using it in that kind of 80s style That's true. It, you know it was, yeah we were just more internalized as a band with it all Huh. Did you, was it always kind of Mark as the visionary for this band? Were you always sort of falling in lockstep behind what, where he was wanting to go? Yeah, yeah, he was, well, he just had such a wealth of knowledge. He'd been in industry for a time. He had, he had some great records yeah. that he turned us on to. So, um, yeah, okay. very much so. Okay, okay. Can you now on the next album, It's My Life, the song It's My Life becomes a bit of a hit in the States. like your biggest hit over here probably um but again that album starts to show some some changing some growing do you remember the creation of it's my life do you have any stories about that song well this is more this is just when tim and mark started working together isn't it more so they yeah. started that was their kind of first kind of time of kind of you know being a creative kind of force together so um Okay. You know, obviously the block calls had been changed to much more kind of, much more texture came in to a more arrangement in the keyboards happened at that time, which was very much, you know, Tim's influence into the band. Okay. When Tim is coming on strong as a creative co-partner, you know, partner with Mark, are you feeling like your role in the band is diminished at all? Or are you, st or are you still just 
feeling just as invested as always as being a well I, i'm just there to make the to make the base as best as i can that's all i can do you know that's that's all you know huh. i wasn't you know and also i'd also started kind of this is the start for me of when i'm kind of starting to write songs at home and kind of build up my own kind of thing you know it's kind of there's a side of me that wants to be a songwriter as well so and and there's no room for this in this in this band so that was it i was kind of you know and there was so much to do with the live stuff as well we always kind of after each album kind of toured it and there was plenty to there for there to enjoy and express myself so huh. that, that was fine okay yeah you mentioned that about the the co-writing the only song i think on that album and there's not a lot of paul webb co-writing credits in the talk talk canon but one of them is call in the night boy What specifically were you adding to that song? Well, that was just one of the songs that we, as I say, how we used to work early on in it is we used to be in the same room together, you know, just kind yeah. of like jamming these songs out, and that kind of kind of stopped after that. Oh, okay. Hmm. Do you remember the the video for "It's My Life"? Did you have anything to do with that, or were you around at all? Yeah, I was around. Yeah, we, yeah, we all went to. Um, I think what was it? I can't remember. It was some kind of Oh, it was a Camden Zoo, wasn't it? I think it was. Is shot. that it? Yeah, that's maybe one of my favorite videos ever. And I will say that I I've never seen a pack of wild animals or a flock of birds. You know when you see the like a million birds take off from a tree at the exact yeah. same time and they kind of swarm around for a little while before they get going. I've never seen any of that since that video without thinking of that song in the moment. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It's influenced. It's influenced the way that I look at the world. It, that video did just. It, wow. It's such a perfect marriage of this exotic sounding, beautiful song mixed with this, you know, exotic footage of wild animals and and uh, everything from all over. The, it was just such an odd choice, but it worked, and it was. It's so beautiful, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Tim Pope was a great, great director for the videos of that time. Yeah. Did you have any kind of a say in the videos, or was was that more? No, 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 no. Okay. What about something like Dum Dum Girl? Did you do you remember anything about the recording of Dum Dum Girl?
well, you know, it was one of one of the tracks on the album, wasn't it? Not not yeah. not, not much really. Um, okay. I mean, the thing more I remember is the actual video when we actually did live vocals on it, me and Mark. So uh, uh, oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Good one. Okay. True. Um, okay. Is this bothering you to go through down memory lane? Is that okay? Well, I can't. You know, this is this is a distant memory to me. It, it doesn't mean anything to me. You know, it's like yeah. it's like me talking about me me. me my you know being at school or something it's uh it's it, it has no you know i know yeah it has no kind of meaning to me it's wow. kind of you know it's not my my creative life has, has so expanded so far after you know spirit of eden which is like 30 years ago so yeah. it's uh you know it's weird sure but you i mean you're you have to be aware that talk talk is still a very beloved band i mean there is a there's a cadre of fans out there like me who are just obsessive and love every note you've ever recorded. So even though it's not present in your mind, and I would imagine just the fans make it more present in your mind than it might otherwise be, right? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it, it's, I mean, with all things, with all albums, not just Talk Talk albums, but the album with Beth, the, the stuff I did with Lee, the Arang stuff, the albums that I produced, you, you worked, you work with them like solidly, and you just try and make the best record you possibly can, you know, and you listen to it every day and every night, and you kind of build these tracks up. But once that album's out there, released to the people, released to the fans, mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, your work's done. It's kind of, you, you know, it, it's out there. It's, it's now it's moving on to the next to give some, someone else some some other kind of product, you know, some other kind of record. Yeah. So it, I, I don't know if it's just me or, but it, that's the thing. It's, it's, it, I, I don't reflect on the past too much, really. Yeah, I can tell. If a Talk Talk song isn't on the radio, do you ever hear it? Do you ever go back and listen to those albums or anything like no. that? No. No. Do you feel a sense of ownership over those albums? Like, hey, this is my work too. I'm on here as well. Yeah, I love those records. I'm very proud of, it, of all yeah. the records we've okay. done. Um, you know, um, especially Spirit of Eden. You know, they're, they're just yeah. great records. You know, I'm glad they're out there. But it's not. It, that's not my job. You know, I'm not a fan of the band. I'm, I was in the band. You know, yeah. it was. Yeah. A, you know, and it's just. Uh, and there's always more music to do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let me throw just a couple more things at you. I can tell this isn't your favorite thing to walk down memory lane, but I I wanted to. Uh, just get get a sense of what life was like in that band at the time. Tell me about living in another world. Do you remember uh, anything relating to that? That song is so epic. It's long. It's got organic instrumentation throughout. It's beautiful. It's uh, it takes you on a journey. Hey everybody, I wanted to break in and do a midsection here. Number one, because I want to listen to the entirety of Living in Another World, because it might be my favorite Talk Talk song. But also it's been a long time since I took some time to kind of give a shout out and a big thank you to some of our listeners, especially those who have written reviews. And we have a few new reviews. I'm going to read some of them for you. Thank you very much to Chris Handy. It's Nuggets of Gold, five stars. John is right in step with my 70s through 90s era taste. Great questions and pacing. Keep it up, John. Thank you, Chris Handy. I don't think I know Chris Handy. Maybe I do. Anyway. All right, this is another one. J.P. Perk. Oh, this must be specifically about Bruce Thomas. Bruce Thomas, formerly with Elvis Costello, that episode came out a little over a year ago. Four stars. I'll take four stars. I had no idea Bruce was so funny. I listened to this app while on my bike. 
lot my bike ride and he made me literally LOL along the trail five or six times. It's an odd little moment to break that usual silence with my sudden cackling. And it's not like you have the chance to explain to whomever you're scared. You just have to keep going. Metaphor for life? Question mark. That's an interesting little review there. Thank you, JP Perk. Uh, Here's another one from 35 Street Magic. Love, love, love the show. Five stars. Please keep it going, especially 70s and 80s artists. This podcast is one of my favorites for my Saturday morning walks. More 80s. Bunch of exclamation marks. Thank you to 35 Street Magic. Since these are short, I'm going to read one more. This is from Georgia Rain Man. I don't know who Georgia is, but that's my daughter's name. But I know she didn't write this. Uh, Great show. Five stars. Love the conversations and topics. Very interesting to know what some of my favorite artists are doing or have been doing. Keep up the good work. That's awesome. Thank you very much, Georgia. I thought I'd share a couple of recent people who have turned me down. Um, That doesn't happen as often anymore. I still don't hear back from probably, I don't know, two-thirds to half of the people I ever reach out to. But I very rarely, thankfully, get uh, someone turning me down. That's happened a couple times recently. One is, you may remember when I was talking to Steve from Embrace, we t- he mentioned the, the band Long Pigs. I loved the Long Pigs back in the day. They only put out two albums. The first one, called The Sun Is Often Out, is incredible. You might remember a couple of songs off that if you were paying close attention to alternative radio at the time. Their lead singer is named Crispin Hunt. I thought this would be a slam dunk. I thought for sure he would be willing to come on the show. Sure enough, he turned me down. And I guess there's some bad blood there among the other bandmates. He said, you're welcome to try them, but it's probably best to let everything just lie. So I guess we're not gonna be doing a long pig show, which surprises me because I thought for sure that would be in the bag. Uh, Another, one of our listeners requested Tim Lever, who was a member of Dead or Alive, an early member. As you guys probably know, we've lost most of the members of Dead or Alive. Tim is still around. Again, I thought for sure this would be a no brainer. He's active on Facebook apparently. I sent him a note. By the way, it's always best when, if, if at all possible, I don't take a lot of uh, requests anymore because I have so many of my own going on and so many requests laying around from all these years of receiving them from people and people, publicists contacting me and guests saying you should talk to so-and-so. I get most of the requests I get, unless I'm like... I got nothing on my plate and I got a few minutes to focus. I, I don't have the time to really dive into too many requests. But I got one recently for Tim and the, the listener provided Tim's email address, which was huge. So that helps a lot. If you want me to track down somebody and you really want to hear from them, if you know how to get a hold of them, even better. Anyway, Tim apparently has not very many good memories from those days in Dead or Alive, so he didn't want to talk either. That really surprised me too, but unfortunately, that's the case. I was looking forward to possibly having a Dead or Alive show. Also, I wanted to say, this week we're going to put out our second... This week is February's Deep Dive. And i it's one of my favorite conversations I've ever had with anybody for this show. Having said that, I have a feeling I'm going to be on an island by myself as maybe the only person who will care about this particular Deep Dive. It is with a band and one of their albums that is among my all-time favorites, but they're not a household name. It's something that probably matters more to me. So I hope you'll give it a shot. 
chances are pretty good you know at least one song from this album, but I recognize that it's probably um, more for me. We'll see. I'm still trying to find the kind of the the flow of these deep dives. I want them to be interesting to everybody, and I want to find good stories. Sometimes I'm realizing that they may only be of interest to people who are already fans of the band and the album. I hope I never try. I'm always trying to uh, exceed that expectation. I'm always hoping that you don't have to be a fan of the people we have on the show to care or find the conversation interesting, but sometimes it just goes there. So uh, I hope that's okay. That's what I'm striving for. Also, I want to mention it's been a while, but if anyone wants to buy a Hustle t-shirt, get on the Amazon page. You just go into Amazon and type up the Hustle Podcast merch. There's t-shirts, there's sweatshirts, there's pop sockets. Um, Thank you to anybody and everybody who supports us that way. It means so much to me and to Yan. Thank you, guys. We split the money 50-50. It means the world to us. Thank you so much. Okay? Um, I think that's pretty much it. If you were paying attention to the Facebook page last week, I was everywhere. I didn't mean to be, but in addition to our two episodes that we put out last week, which was uh, our regular episode on Tuesday with Duncan Sheik, and then later in the week we put out the first episode of Promo Mode, which is what we're going to do periodically. As I've mentioned, sometimes former guests are doing new things and they contact me once in a while and say, hey, check out my new song or we just finally put out our new album or I just wrote a new book and I want to be able to support those people. So we're going to do quick and dirty, short 20 to 30 minute conversations with these guys. Not a lot of editing, not a lot of cues, nothing like that. I don't want to give any more work to Yan to do. Just a quick and dirty conversation where they get a chance to promote and talk about their new thing. And I'm working on a couple of those as well. And, uh, yeah, deep dives, promo modes. All right, that should just about do it. Let's get back to Paul Webb. When Mark and Tim come to you and say, this is going to be the song we're going to work on today, are you just figuring it out at the time? Or do you feel, um, are, you in, are, you, are you throwing in your own ideas, you know? Well, I was, I, that was one of my ha- happy memories, actually, because it, when they came up with that song, they... Uh, they gave me the, the the basic drum beat with the chords, and it was one of those ones where sometimes it, it takes me a long time to get a bass line. But that one, I just came up with one very very quickly, and uh, and uh, yeah, it just it just mo it just just felt really happy with everything that come came with that. And also, that was the first time I used that kind of that voice on my backing vocals as well. So uh, okay. yeah, I've got lots of um, I'm very, I was always very happy with the way that track turned out. Good. Yeah, I think um, I think Color of Spring might be my favorite of the Talk Talk albums because it. Yes, yeah, a lot of people. It's either one or the two, isn't it? Yeah, I think because it's still it's it's it like right smack dab in the middle, you know, of having the popular sound from before, but the experimental sound that would be taking over eventually. Yeah. Um, what about Lights? What you make it? Do you remember anything particular about that?
I just remember actually blo- what, what, when it we all came together, it just actually smashing the speakers. It just yeah. sounded like a loud, positive record uh, and an exciting record. So, yeah. yeah. Do you remember? I mean, when that did it start with just like that that piano? Riff? Yeah, yeah. Tim Tim had the program that piano. He just had it on the. Yeah, just he just kind of that's how it all. It was always there. The piano came first. Huh. Okay. And then, of course, Spirit of Eden. I was kind of going in order here. Spirit of Eden just blows everything up. When you're making it, are you thinking this is this is more me, or are you thinking, boy, we're experimenting in some weird directions? I don't know how this is going to end up, but I hope it ends up good. You know, this I, I, I it was fine because I I thought you know when I came and listened when I was listening to it as we built the thing up, I was just thinking this is the best thing we've ever done, and I was yeah. I was really excited about it, and I just. But I always remember my manager coming down, and he was like, and, he, and his face was long, and I was saying, "What? What's up?" And he's like, "I've got to go into the rep company and sell this to him." And yeah. he was, because the thing was, the rep company hadn't heard anything for like all year, and uh, and and they were actually very very disappointed with it. So, um, yeah. um, and you know, it was a record that didn't sell many, you know, didn't sell hardly anything, you know, compared to Colors of Spring. So. Um, you know, it wasn't a, a popular record, um, but it was the one. You know, artistically, you just felt like this is this is where it's at. You know, it always felt like oh, this is just miles ahead of everything. Yeah. So, like for instance, the you know, take a song like Desire. It's got so many different parts, and it starts off mellow, and then it goes into this just cacophonous jam at the end. And um, do you remember like recording that jam? Do you remember being in that room and just? Everyone's going nuts. Are you looking at each other with smiles? Like, can you believe what we're doing? We're in the we're in the zone right now. Well, well, Mark, Mark, Tim, and Lee were in the zone. I was I wasn't there when they were jamming that thing. I always put my bass on afterwards. But I remember walking into it and and where the, the sheer dynamics of that track was beautiful. And then there's lots of lots of had lots of bubble lights going and then flashing lights always kind of had a kind of bit of a light show going as well so um mm-hmm. yeah again it was a beautiful cut yeah sure was and you guys while you're making it are you saying to yourselves there's no way we're going to be able to go out and tour this album well i, I mean I, I i i i didn't really think about that at the time um yeah I, it was just again was just making the music in the, in the studio, which is where everyone loved to be. Okay. So are drugs a part of the band's history? Is anyone um, bogged down with addiction, or are you guys feeling pretty free and creative, no problems at all? Yeah, there was. It was drug free. Oh, it was. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay. I just wonder. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, good for you. You know. I, uh, I don't want my favorite musicians to go through rough times. And so, no, of course. Yeah, no. You know? Yeah. So, okay. So if you, you know, you your manager turns in Spirit of Eden and the rec- everyone is stymied what to do with this record, but you guys are sitting back like, yeah, we feel really good about it. What do you, um, you leave after that? What, yeah, what well, made you decide to was, leave? I mean, creatively, it was, it, there was nothing left for me to do. I mean, the, there was double bass players coming now, who were, which was sound fantastic. There was um, Simon Edwards, he was doing the Mexican bass. You know, so the bass was not in all the all the things, and I had so much more to do by this point. You know, I wanted to write, I wanted to get on, play other instruments. You know, it, it was kind of very much kind of 
turned into something now. And I, you know, is this a good time to move on? Huh. That's so interesting. If Spirit of Eden was the time when you felt most kind of creatively on fire, why? Well, no, I wasn't. I didn't say I was creatively on fire. Oh, okay. You know, I was. I was. I was. I was just playing bass. You know. Yeah. You know, it was just being a bass player, and I huh. kind of, kind of, I'd done that thing now. I'd kind of almost um, been spent with playing bass, so okay. Uh, okay. I had to move on. Okay. And what did you do when you moved on? Where did you go? Well, I started writing some songs, and then Lee got hold of me, and he was he was starting to feel he wanted to do some playing as well outside of uh, Talk Talk. So we started getting some studio stuff together. And, uh, yeah, we started the Arrange stuff, which was, um, we did two albums. I don't know if you're familiar with those. I, those I've albums. heard them, yeah. I... I didn't learn about those until much later. You know, now right, thank, yeah. thank goodness for the rap, for the uh, internet. You can go down a rabbit hole and see. Well, I love Paul Webb. What else has he done? You know, so yes, then, yeah. Then you find all that. But yeah, yeah. Well, they were very much. I mean, they were just again. We were kind of, and I was kind of in. I was inside getting interested in using my voice more and and uh, playing other instruments as well. And and uh, and so we got into this very much improvised kind of. And I was listening to a lot of of this band called African Head Charge that was mm. almost done with like congas, but the congas kind of talked to each other. And, and uh, yeah, and those albums, I mean, that was a fond memory. We built a studio up uh, and recorded these two records, which was, uh, and it was almost like uh, just improvised, kind of constructing improvisations. And uh, yeah, from that, that was the kind of bridging gap to where I am now, really. Okay. You, how many O-Rang uh, albums did you guys put out? Two, I think? Two, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and, one was called Field and Waves, and the other one's called Herd of Instinct. There you go. Okay, good. And are you? Um, I mean, uh, is this? See, I keep coming back to kind of the business side of this, is because that's one of the focuses of this podcast. We try to do it very sensitively, but when our favorite musicians go away, or they go and do other things, or the big thing they're known for ends, and they go do smaller projects. How do they maintain their, a, a living? How do they continue to pay their bills? And are you just getting enough of an advance from a record company that you're able to stay afloat and be a full-time uh, musician? I, I don't know how I stay afloat. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I live within in my means. I guess that's how it uh -huh. is. Yeah, it's always been, I mean, obviously Talk Talk was a, ba a massive band and that kind of, you know, that kind of finance things and, and publishing deals finance the arranged stuff and 
And I, yeah, I guess, and there's always been, as I say, I've done production work and there's always bits and pieces to do, you know? Yeah. So. Okay. Um, where did James Marsh, how did he come into the picture? James is the artist who does, designs all the Talk Talk record albums and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I can't remember, to be honest. I think he was a friend of, of um, Keith, our manager, but I can't remember. Okay. okay. And did you, were you on board with his creations and his sort of depiction of your style? No. No. no, they were they were ones Mark picked out. He always picked out what the uh, images he liked. Huh. So if you if it had been up to you, you would have had different album covers, different. No, not necessarily. I like the ones Mark picked. They were good ones. I mean, he, the thing was, sometimes I think what happened. James Marsh used to paint one in specifically, and then Mark would go to his house and say, "Oh, I don't like the one you painted, but I'll have the uh, <laughs> this one looks brilliant," kind of thing. You know? Okay. So, do you ever talk to Mark? Are you guys close at all? No, we haven't seen each other for years. Really? You know, I've, he just sort of decides he's had enough 20 years ago. And I don't, I wondered if he had enough with music or if it was that he had enough with a public life or if he'd had enough with his friends. It sounds like he just had enough with everything, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's I think, I think, I, I think he'd done what he set out to do and he, and he kind of walks away and, shut the door behind him, you know, and, and his respect goes out to him for doing that, yeah, really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's stuck to his guns. Yeah. That's for sure, yeah. He's my, he would be sort of like my dream interview. If I, I if I could talk to anybody and kind of get in their mind to learn more about what, you know, what motivates them artistically, he would be that guy. Cause right. I just, it's just, he's such a an enigma, you know, he's a mystery. Yes. Yeah, okay. So what's the plan then for Drift Code? We're back to Rustin, man. What's the plan? I mean, you've, you're going to put out this new album and you're going to do what? Are you going to take 17 years to go do another Rustin, man album? Or do you go on tour with other bands? Do you partner with people? What are you going to do? No, well, I feel like I've, I've broken a few barriers with myself now. So it yeah. took me a long time just to get... There's a lot of things I'd never tried before. The production, the, the, recording all the stuff in my house, being a singer. And I think I've, I've done all those things now. So... And I've also got another an amount. I mean, it hasn't taken me seventy years just to do nine tracks. I've obviously got another. I've got eighteen tracks on the spin. So, yeah. I could, and they're all kind of at very, very nearly finished stages. So, so it's not going to take me seventeen years to do the next one at all. I wouldn't. I'm going to be like a lightning flash now. Okay. Okay. Good. Ah, uh, the world needs more Paul Webb. Yeah. Paul, we need more of this. That's great. Good for you. Yeah. Um, what about you personally? I mean, you mentioned living in this barn. What, are you married? Do you have kids? Yes. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I'm uh, married with um, two kids. My wife's been fantastic. She's been recording me for my vocals, which is great because there's someone very personal there with me. And yeah, uh, yeah and these kids have all they've known is this record, which is quite funny for <laughs> me. But we were just born when I started, and now my eldest is 17 years old. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh my gosh! Wow. Well, good. Well, then it won't be too much longer then, hopefully, before another Rustin Man album. Comes no, out. it won't be. Okay. Um, okay, rapid fire. Let me ask you a few more things. When you um, Do you have, like, a favorite memory? When you look back over the whole career, and I, I'm guessing Talk Talk would have been the busiest time of your career in terms of touring and meeting other bands and that kind of stuff. I mean, did you ever meet a hero? Do you have any favorite stories from that period? No. I mean, one of, one of my favorite... Not from that period, but my favourite musical time was when I'd, I'd written an orchestral part for the for Bet for the album Out Season, which was Romance, and uh, we got an orchestrator to kind of uh, put the whole 
the whole um, orchestration down, which was, I can't remember how it was, a 30, 40, 40 piece orchestra. I always remember it. We had we were going to record it onto tape, and the whole tape machine is smashed out, had, had broken, oh, no. and we had all these orchestra like in the room, and uh, and it was chaos. And the record company were coming down just to hear how we were getting on. So it was it was absolute. Um, <laughs> chaos. And this uh, engineer, he was like on a mission. He kind of ran out of the room. He got this other tape machine. He ran in. He was sweating. He plugged it all in. It within within five minutes and then the, the, once he just he just plugged it in and we we're just going to start, start off and the rental company came in and the orchestra started and it sounded absolutely beautiful it was like oh, it, and it was great. like a, just such a magic moment it was uh, so that was one of the greatest things that's great okay thank you what um what about uh is there first of all i always get so annoyed when um like music press compares you to duran duran because that to me is just really lazy journalism just because two bands have a have the same word in their name twice that doesn't make them similar necessarily similar to each other do you know what i mean do you ever find uh -huh. that <laughs> yeah did you guys well, yeah. you guys did tour together though right well we were in the, on the same record label as well so um you know, I mean, we were we were, we were new to the game then, so um, we didn't even you know didn't, didn't know what know we were what doing at that kind yeah. of time. So yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Did you ever tour the states? Yes. Yeah. We, I couldn't remember. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we did. We did a few on our own, but we toured. I think we toured with Elvis Costello, one Ooh. with uh, supporting him, and then the other one was Start Bill It First. We did another ah, tour with. There you go. Nice. But yeah, didn't do loads. I mean, and especially once yeah. we kind of got better known in Europe we kind of concentrated on that kind of area then okay okay do you remember do you have a favorite place to play in the states is there or was there a place that was like wow I can't believe I'm here were you in the middle of like Tulsa Oklahoma just blowing your mind well Hollywood Bowl was fun ah, was, there you go. that was just outrageous yeah and then of course there's Red Rocks as well isn't there so I mean, those I ones oh really yeah I didn't realize that I'm in Denver uh, Red Rocks is, you know, just a few miles away. I go there all the time. 
and do they do gigs there every week still and stuff like that? Uh, in the summertime, yeah. I mean, there's numerous. There's one almost every night in the summer. Wow. Yeah. No, I the whole thing of going under. Rocks. Sorry. I didn't know you played Red Rocks. Yeah, I, I can't remember. It was a support slot, but I can't remember who it was we were supporting. But yeah, no, it was amazing. Because well, you go under the tunnel, don't you, to the mixing desk and stuff. It's, Do you? Oh, that's right. Yes. Wow. Oh, man. Yeah. I love Red Rocks. Now, knowing you guys have been there, it's even more hollowed ground. That is amazing. I had no idea. That's cool. <laughs> okay, good. All right. Tell me, a so- tell me, is there a song? We know how you feel about Rustin Man. So is there a Talk Talk song that you feel particularly proud of? That you contributed something that you're like, you know what? I'm the one who came up with that little part right there that I really like. Can you think of a well, song like that? Well, Living in Another World is a, is, is a good example. I mean, that was great. Desire on on Spirit of Eden. I was really happy with that bass line. It kind of yeah. really kicked in. Um, yeah. So Okay. Good. Good stuff. Well, look, uh, Paul, I, I mean, few bands have been as important to me in my life than Talk Talk. And right. because of that, I have had an affection for you and everything you do since then. And so uh, whether it be O-Rang or Rustin Man, I am on board because I want to know what my favorite people are doing out yes. there. And so I'm so grateful for you. And I'm so grateful for the work you've put into this world. You know, Thank you've you. made my life better. Brilliant. Thank you very much. That's nice to hear. Yeah. And uh, good luck with Drift Code. I don't know. Uh, I hope that it does whatever it is you... I don't even know. What What does new music like, like Drift Code do in this? What's its destiny? You know what I mean? Well, that I, I don't know. I don't know what it, what it is. Um, time will tell, won't it? Yeah. I just... Uh, I mean, I want good music to, to be heard and to take hold somewhere... And, uh, and but all, the music, all the music I seem to do seems to take about five years before anyone knows it's there. That's so, kind of um, true. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of true. Oh, man. Well, hopefully, I, I'm, I just wanted to do my part to further the good word of Rustin Man and see if I, you know, turn it on to my listeners at least. Let them know that it's out there. So, okay, lovely. Yeah. Well, thank you, Paul, so much. You're a legend. Thank you very much. There you have it, Paul Webb. I am just eternally fascinated by Talk Talk. I find them so interesting, and mainly because they're so mysterious. You know, Mark Hollis isn't talking, and the other guys rarely do too. So we're really lucky to have been able to hear from Paul. But frankly, after talking to Paul, it's still pretty mysterious. Who knows? I wish I could understand what what was in the mind of the guys as they were creating those 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 albums. Those five Talk Talk albums, the first four of which Paul played on, are just unlike anything you've ever heard in your life. Pay close attention to this song right here, Desire. Compare it to the song that we started this whole thing off with, Talk Talk. They go from that really excellent kind of synth-based group to this avant-garde jazz fusion post-rock group that you would never guess they are the same people, and yet they are. They created this amazing work of art. Go in and check out all of their albums. This one is off of Spirit of Eden. It's a it's a piece of work. You'll never you've never heard anything like it. Okay, so a huge thanks to Paul for talking with me and give Rustin Man a chance too. Drift Code is out there now. If you like this ethereal, artistic, very strange, very moody, very different. 
a challenging type of pop rock, give it a shot. It is all out there. It's really special. Now, next week, I have to admit I'm not 100% sure what we're going to go with next week. And there's a lot of factors that, that are going to... I'm waiting to find out which and to decide which one I'm going to go with. It is either going to be probably the front man for a fairly obscure British pub rock band that became a sort of a new new wave band in the 70s and early 80s or we're going to hear from a singer-songwriter producer band member who is the who is behind some of the best hits of the 80s and 90s that you would know including having written one of the biggest singles of the entire 90s so we're going to do one or the other of those i'm not 100% sure yet okay Huge thanks, as always, to my partner in crime, my right-hand man, Jan the Man Makevich. Thanks, buddy, for all that you do. Uh, we will talk to you guys next week. And don't forget, we got the bonus deep dive episode coming out in a few days. Thanks, everybody. Shelter